Did you know there are 60 million Hispanic people in the United States? As a Latina myself, I've never really felt like we were super unified as a people group. But if there's one woman who will bring us all together, it's Claudia Romo Edelman. She is actively unifying the Hispanic community through her new program, HispanicStar.org. I actually signed up to be an ambassador with Hispanic Star after we spoke with Claudia because she not only reminded me that our community is a force to be reckoned with, but she made me believe that it's actually possible for us to come out of this worldwide pandemic more unified than ever. And Claudia is legit. She's worked with the United Nations, UNICEF, the Global Fund, World Economic Forum. She speaks six languages. And she's the founder of a really cool organization called We Are All Human. So if you're looking for a true catalyst for change, it's definitely Claudia. And you're about to understand why I'm so pumped for you to hear her share with Rosen Medati. Even if you're not Hispanic, you will definitely be inspired. Thank you so much for being here with us today. How is Claudia? Claudia personally uh, dealing with this whole pandemic, right? And, and what is some of the advice that you can share with our listeners? Because you seem in good spirits and strong and ready, continue to take on the world. That's, you know, who you are. So how are you dealing with it personally? How's Claudia? First of all, I'm so happy to be here with you, Merari. You know how much I admire you and how much I, you know, like I feel blessed to have met you and to have, you know, like have this strong bond with a strong Latina and women that support each other. And being in your podcast that I have seen since you launched uh, with, uh, you know, like with Rosa is fantastic. So thank you so much for having me here. So I, how is Claudia? Claudia is happy right now recording this with you. On the personal level, this is hard. This is a horrendous pandemic. This is a horrendous virus. I mean, at the personal level, I was sharing with you that my mother is hospitalized in Mexico with COVID. Her lungs um, were compromised even before. She had pneumonia 21 days in December. She has arrhythmia, high blood pressure. So she's exactly not the right candidate for this virus. So when I got the call and I heard that my mom had fever, I, I, I literally just had that cold sweat that I know all of us are scared of getting that call, of knowing that your parents might be in that situation. And that was a moment in which if it would have been a film, the phone would have fallen to the floor. It's very hard to be in New York when your mom is in Mexico. There is no way that anyone can either travel or be around them. This is hard for humanity, for anyone that is either, you know, like scared of being affected or losing someone. It is also very hard you know, like at the personal level for all of us, for me, like I started this pandemic and I, I have 20 years of service in, in humanitarian uh, situations. So one crisis, one pandemic, one, you know, like we know pretty much that it is very hard to take people to do the right thing. And you have the early adapters, but then you have the critical mass that you have to convince. But I never experienced having to convince the critical mass at home. So my husband and I had a very strong, you know, like this alignment at the very beginning of the pandemic where I was like, this is not going to work out for me. You cannot be coming outside. You can't go. Stay home. You have to take this seriously. You have to sanitize. You have to. So it was very hard at the beginning. Then it, it like it took us all in. And I think that 
knowing how resilient and how positive Latinas are, I think that I am just experiencing that benefit of being a Latina in this quarantine of being like, okay, so if they give you lemons, you make lemonade. And so let's make the best of it. Let's stick to a routine. Let's stick to exercising and eating healthier. But it has given me personally, the opportunity to recover those many, many years in which as a mother, I felt that I overabandoned my kids to work so hard. And, you know, like I, I was sharing with my daughter, uh, who's 14, a couple of days ago that when she was six for her birthday, she told me uh, that what she wanted as a birthday present was to become as a, a refugee so that I would spend so much time with her as I spent with refugees because I used to work for the refugee agency and how how blessed that I felt to be able to, you know, like use the moments. It's like this is the opportunity of a century when you have like 16 and 14 year old in two years, they're gone in their minds and maybe in their bodies as well somewhere else. So I'm, I'm trying to make the best of this situation, knowing that this is a blessing that will bond us, that is permitting us to bond, that we have to keep it sane, that we have to keep it structured so that we can survive and have rules of coexistence and literally take the lessons that we're seeing right now, because I'm not going to go back after the pandemic to accept the rules and just go back to business as usual. I don't think that we should. We shouldn't allow for business as usual. No, no, no. This is uh, this is a time in which if farmers are needed, farmers should be admired and farmers should be appreciated in their salaries. And this is a time in which, you know, like recognition about like how uh, you have to multi I think that there's so many so many rules that we have an opportunity to redo and reinvent so that we can take care of ourselves, of our family, of our planet, and of our world. Tell us about that. What rules have you broken? I don't know whether I was born to break rules or what, but you know, like from the very beginning, my parents had three kids and I was the middle one. And the three of us had a very similar development, which was too fast, like overly fast. And the three of us started walking too fast, running too fast, talking too fast, overdeveloped. And sadly, my two other siblings, when they peaked to nine months, they started going backwards. And so from running to walking, walking, crawling, crawling, sitting down, and they died when they were 18 months old. And so from the very early on, I was uh, confronted with the fact that, you know, like, first of all, I grew up in a microscope. Everybody was like, is she breathing? Is she like, is she talking too fast? Is she like singing too fast? Is this normal? But then there was a sense of strength. There was a sense of that I was strong, actually, even probably stronger than death, because I, I was able to beat up death. My destiny was to be dead and I defeated that and I broke that rule of my parents having that incompatibility and I grew up to believe uh, number one that I had a mission in life and number two that everything was possible I mean like at the end of the day it was I was able to survive despite the odds then everything was possible and I, if I look backwards I think that every time in my life be it professionally or personally there's a there's no challenge that I think it is not attractive to bring on you know like 
whether it's like AIDS, seeing like how is it, you know, like that a pandemic is going to be stronger than us and how is it that a mosquito in malaria is going to beat humanity, our resilience and our humanity. And I do think that having, you know, like work for organizations such as the United Nations, where you have all these rules and the bureaucratic form number 55 to go to the toilet and so on. I think that being able to navigate that world, you can only do it when you know how to, the small bending of the rules, how to navigate the, you know, like the space. And I learned pretty early on that uh, in places like the UN, you either get credit or you get things done. And I always made my choice to bend the rules in a way so that you can get things done as opposed to uh, getting on. But I think that as a Latina, particularly living in Europe for 25 years and working on these global organizations, it was really important not only to know how to break the rules, but also how to adapt the rules to yourself. So, you know, like when I moved to the German part of Switzerland and I had no idea, I had no Swiss German, I didn't speak German, I had no clue about the rules, society rules at that time. And I started getting the police tickets saying, yep, you have to pay one hundred francs because you flush the toilet at eleven o'clock and that's forbidden. Or you know, like here's another one hundred <laughs> wow. francs uh, ticket because you didn't say hello to your neighbor in the morning. So very quickly after my first one thousand <laughs> Swiss francs of, of bills, I learned that they were rules. That if they were rules, I could apply them myself. So every time I was in the supermarket and someone was like slow, I was like, oh, you're doing that because I'm not Swiss, right? Like, are you a little, you're a racist or something? I'm gonna call the police and do you. <laughs> so I started bending the rules. So I think that it is, it's super important, like the painters, to know that the rules so that you can bend them and then adapt them. It's interesting because other guests talk about an event that has happened in their lives that has been the catalyst for their determination and their push through and to give them the energy to become who they are and the ability to break those rules. Is that a prerequisite, do you think, or not necessarily? I absolutely think it is a prerequisite in every circumstance to be able to know the rules. Like creative people, if they are not organized first, they wouldn't have the time to be creative. And I think that a creative person that doesn't have those bases struggles by far more. And I do think that it is very important to understand the system by mastering the structures so that you can then start bending the rules the way that you need them and you want them. But I do think that it starts with uh, mastery. Uh, of understanding what, you know, like what the system needs and requires so that you can apply it. Yeah. And it's one of the questions that I, I, I had for you, but now in, in just hearing you as well, I think, and reflecting a little bit upon what you were saying is on multiculturalism. I mean, you've worked as a, as a multicultural woman yourself, as having worked for an international multilateral organization such as the UN and working all over the world. I'm sure the notion of what to be a multicultural is very unique to you because of the experience that you've had. But in light of where we're at now, what's your reflection around that? Because I'm on that boat with you in terms of once we come through this, I think there's a little bit of a redefinition and creating a different space for all things multicultural, especially for multicultural women. What are your thoughts around that? I created World Human Foundation because we need to remind ourselves 
that we're all human. We forget. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but we are forgetting. I was sitting where I was sitting on the 38th floor of the United Nations building, looking at the world in pieces. We're like, we're making progress. There is no question in, in the data that, you know, education, health, access to electricity, you name it, the world is getting better. But divisive language was growing and growing and growing. And I had a couple of concerns, but the biggest one for me was like, wait a second, climate change is a major concern, but divisive language is going to derive and just like derail of the, all the progress that we have made because we're allowing people to forget that we belong to the same family, to the same group, that we allow for that sense of the otherness to grow, partly because we're not cutting the ties and we're not refreshing that muscle of the memory that we were born with that allows you to have that empathy for other humans and the acceptance, but also because technology and algorithms are bubbling you every time more and just like giving you precisely what you want to hear and just evidence to reinforce what you already believe in. And that sense of divisiveness uh, has incredible implications such as Brexit, such as, you know, like nationalism, uh, populism all around the world. So that's a serious business. And when I see now COVID has come and basically gave us a slap of your humanity saying like, uh uh-uh, I make no distinction, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're black, whether you're Latino, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, I don't care. I'm going to take you all. And that sense puts us all in the same boat of, holy cow, the universal needs are the same. You really care for your parents. You really want to make sure that you can laugh, that you have food, that you can, you know, like that you enjoy the moments of music. Like that's giving us that sense back. And it is up to us, particularly multicultural uh, populations, to grab that opportunity and to dignify the best of humanity uh, and not allow that, no, they, you know, like that divis- divisiveness again. This is our moment to say, you see, this is how it feels, so that we can perpetrate that feeling of we support each other and create a global solidarity that is by far less fluffy than what it sounds, but it's really reminding us that that we belong to the humanity, you know, like that we belong to a same human family. But I do think that it is up to us to make sure that we can perpetrate that feeling, that we can perpetrate that for us and for the planet. I love that thinking and just building on that. I know that a lot of the work that you've done, because we continue to see that there's still a lot of issues in the multicultural front but even more for the Hispanic community, right? That is still a huge opportunity, whether it's in small businesses, whether it's in corporations, it doesn't matter where you look, right? There's still a huge opportunity. And I know that um, that's dear to your heart and all of ours. So can you tell us a little bit about the Hispanic star? What took you there and what has shifted based on everything that's going on today? There are you and I started talking about the Hispanic star being, you know, like Hispanics being so so big, but nevertheless thinking so small and being so powerful, but being perceived so weak. We started this uh, incredible campaign, eight months of hard work to put a proper, like a proper marketing global campaign together called the Hispanic Star to change the perception of Hispanics from invisible to visible, from negative to positive, from takers to makers. We created a symbol to unify all Hispanics from the Venezuelans, the Colombians, and Mexicans with under the same symbol, pretty much like the rainbow of 
the LGBTQ. And we were ready to launch with the opening game with the White Sox and launch this symbol. And we had the singers, we had the, you know, like we had it all. And then coronavirus, you know, like came. And there's no baseball, there's no White Sox, and there's no shining. Because right now, this is the, not the moment for anyone to shine. This is the moment to survive. And we have to survive together. And so what we did was like sit down for 24 hours and say like, this is not going to go away. We have to pivot that. And it's on our obligation to make sure that we've reshifted and repurposed the entire Hispanic Star network and platforms and infrastructure to make it a Hispanic Star in action. A Hispanic Star committing and people like you, Merari, and, and, and putting you in action. Like, what can you do? How can you help? Because we are disproportionately affected. Hispanics have been the most affected group of COVID-19. We're being affected not only at the health level, but it's going to be a massive economic impact. So we we put together a Hispanic response and recovery plan so that we can become a little bit of a clearinghouse of information and action to mitigate the impact of COVID-19 in those that are being affected the most. And those are small businesses, entrepreneurs, independent workers from the gig economy, the sharing economy, the service industry. And I have some data that I would like to share with you that is coming just fresh from the oven. We're more than 19 million Hispanics working essential functions. So all of those that have been uh, affected, over 1 million Hispanics working healthcare, those that are being exposed today, working helping the community, more than a million Hispanics are exposing themselves today. We have more than one million Hispanics working in food supply. Those that are carrying the takeaways that you have, those that are delivering food that you have, those are our community that, again, live in multi-generational households and they're risking themselves. Farmers, more than two million farmers working in America, feeling this country. Unemployment for the Hispanic community has increased 25 faster than the rest of the population in COVID-19 because every restaurant that is closed, every hotel that is exposed, every contract that is cancelled is affecting us because those are the industries in which we operate. So what I know is that individual efforts are never going to take you far. We have to act together. And if there was a time for Hispanics to be united, it's today. And if there was a time for Hispanics to care for Hispanics and to mitigate the impact that is coming to our community and will come even further, is today. But we also have an opportunity. So we put together a recovery plan, knowing that now we're thinking of the now, but there will be a near but also there will be a next. And in those three stages, we have to be together and we have to make sure that we talk to corporate America and we say, please do not sack our people. If you can't keep them for 90 days, please hire as small businesses as part of your supply chain. Please, if you can, redirect your products so that we can use them for COVID-19. And if you can, you know, like have concessionary prices for those of your consumers that have right now a limitation in their income and their jobs. We want to make sure that we're together. So we repurpose Merari, that beautiful campaign that we had, the Hispanic Star, to make it a Hispanic Star in action. And I think that that's the way in which we can not only uh, help our community, but also come stronger at the other side. 
we've talked about this, how impacted our community is and the numbers that you just shared are absolutely staggering and worth uh, spreading around. And in order to take action, as you say, and as you were talking, I'm thinking about all these women as well. I'm thinking about a lot of women, even a good day, they're rallying around to get through challenging times. This time in particular is certainly even harder. What would you say to, to those women My grandmother used to say that there is a special place in heaven for women that support each other. It sounds like a joke, but actually very important that in this time, it's only women that understand the struggle that women have. Whether you're working from home and you have to struggle between the multitasking is real and it's 24-7 and whether you're not able to stay home, whether you're, you know, like alone in your home and you're literally suffering from anxiety from being alone. This is a time for all of us to lend a hand. This is a time for us to speak up to stand up for each other. There is absolutely no one that is coping so hard. And I had Dr. David Navarro from the WHO today saying that women are the ones that are carrying the lift. COVID is affecting men dramatically higher than women and that we're carrying the jobs, we're going out, we're working, we're caring for the family. And it is a very heavy load for all of us. So for, for us, I would say, find the five things that make you go to a place of peace, uh, have a structure, have a routine, have discipline, dress up, do not confuse day and night and stay in your pajamas or your jammies for eight days. And like the, there's there's absolutely nothing that can drag this more than not having a sense of differentiation. But also for each of us, we should be able to say, I'm going to talk to at least five women that I can impact, be part of a podcast or talk to someone that I know or call a group of, of people that you can connect uh, via Zoom, give someone something. There's five things that can make you feel good, but there are five things that you can do for others. I love that, you know, contacting five women because you're right. Uh, I mean, you were mentioning, I still get up, you know, five o'clock in the morning and I work out and, you know, I have my routine set, but it, it does feel lonely, right? Because you're caring for the kids while working and, you know, taking care of the husband and food and everything. And even though he's very helpful, so that's not it. But at the end of the day, it does end up feeling lonely. And I love that idea of contacting the five women because it also helps you feel that, that you're helping somebody else and fill that void. So thank you for sharing that. That's very impactful. And I hadn't thought about that since I'm so busy going and thinking about routine. <laughs> Your routine of exercise, you know how important it is to feel in control. When you talk to someone else, you exercise the, uh, the muscle of giving. And when you feel that you're giving, you give yourself back. And when that happens, you get addicted like every other endorphin. And so you go back to the place of feeling like at the end of the day, I'm not that bad. There's an uplifting that happens from within and there's a desire to give back that gets stronger. And if you produce that, if you talk to five people and two of them have that, then you created a chain. And that's actually what we need to do. We need to be able to move from fear to action, from fear to hope. And the only way to do it is to start. It's about how you not only help others being re-energized, but how you energize and fill your own soul in this time and you get out of being a little bit down because the situation requires a lot of 
energy. It's the essence of this podcast in trying to really find out and hear from others how they work through their resiliency. Do you think that in this time that has changed or the the meaning of resiliency is going to be also different given what we're going through? Uh, Resilience is something that only survivors have experienced normally. So our communities are very resilient and we have that experience. For many people, this is new. They have never been exposed to anything but what they know, which is a healthy economy, a healthy country, a very stable nation and families. But at the end of the day, I do think that this is where resilience will play an incredible role. The fact that my mother with compromised lungs and a weak heart is in day seven in the hospital and is fighting there is because of her resilience. The reason why I believe that Hispanics need a plan, you know, like not only because we need a plan, because everybody needs a plan, is because it moves that flight fight feeling to a resilience mode. And so we have to keep on moving on that. We have to be confident that as Latinos, we are 100% trained on resilience. We were born resilient. That's our nature. That's our heritage. We are that. Uh, We're hard workers. And we say it like with pride, like hard workers, you know, we have that thing of we are able to survive. We're a survivor. Hit me, hit me once. I'll put the other cheek. And I absolutely think that this is where we have an opportunity to showcase what resilience looks like and to be able to continue doing what we're doing, which is uh, operating for America, helping this country, helping each other. But it is something that we have to also be feeding ourselves up. That's why talking to each other is so important. Talking about this is so important so that people don't forget that they are resilient, that they can develop it, that it's necessary to wake up the muscle because we have it. We just have to either wake it up and exercise it or share it with other people that have been privileged enough to never have to. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. It's a great insight, Claudia, because in a way it's a little bit of an advantage going through this time now because it's not something that we're new to, but we've had to exercise and it's well ingrained into DNA. We're going to get back in our feet faster than other groups if we have a plan and we're together. That There is no question that we're hit the hardest but we're going to be in a recovery in, in an economic term, as you know, and in pandemics. We've been hearing a lot as well how the shape of the recovery will be. And it's either a V because it goes down hard and it goes up hard, or it's a U with a longer stagnation and then you go up or an L. We'll never be an L. That's not us. We're always fighters. We're always up. We can actually defy the global, you know, like I think that we're going to go through a U or through a U recovery curve altogether. It's, uh, the old indication is that, but I think that as Hispanics, as community, as together, if we really act as one, if we really use this opportunity to get a plan and to be able to work on the now and the near and the next, I think that we're going to go through a V return because we're that agile, we're that resilient, we're used to that. Claudia, you said something important that I want to make sure people really understand. You said of continuing to work together. And that has not been a strength of the Hispanic community. And I know something that you continue to talk about. Can you tell us a little bit more about, for those that don't know, and even as Hispanics, a lot of people don't know the power of being Hispanic. Can you tell us a little bit more on why that is more important today than ever? 
Absolutely. Hispanics, we are 60 million people, 18% of the population, 12% of the GDP. That is $2.3 trillion in like a size of the economy. If you put together the Hispanic economy as a standalone country, we'll be the eighth largest country in the world, larger than Brazil, than Italy, than Canada. We Hispanics have created more than 86% of every single new jobs in the Great Recession because we're hugely entrepreneurial. 50% of those jobs created created by Latinas. Latinas create six times faster than any other group in America, small businesses. Our purchasing power, meaning the size of our wallet, is increasing so rapidly. It's ridiculous. We were, we were $1.7 trillion. We were $1.5 trillion two years ago. Our projected purchasing power in two years is 1.9. That's 70% faster than any other wallet. It's just humongous. And uh, our population rate as well is growing. We're the youngest of all the population. So we're 29 years old in average, six years younger than the rest of America. Latinas, 20 26 years old. We're young because we look young because we're very young. <laughs> but my favorite stat is uh, our most common age. Most common age of 60 million Hispanics is 11 years old. The most common age of non-Hispanics is 58. We represent demonstrably four decades of growth. The point is that no one knows about it. 77% of Hispanics have no idea of their own contributions to the country. And one of the main reasons why is that is because we're fragmented, because we think small. We think uh, the Mexicans don't want to talk to the Cubans, don't want to talk to the uh, Colombians. It's worse than that. The Cubans of Miami don't want to talk to the Cubans of Chicago. Forget about the Cubans of Los Angeles. Bananas. It's so ridiculous. And that fragmentation makes us blind to our power. We are powerful. We are beautiful. We're strong, but we have to unite so that we can access that power. So Hispanics, when we start looking at ourselves as Hispanics and act as a Hispanic community, we will be able to access that. And that's where, you know, like the power of campaigns to make sure that we take those masks out and we realize that the only way that we can win is when we all win. Well said. And I think that applies all across and especially uh, going through this united, we will all win through this terrible pandemic. Is there anything specific that you would share or advise that one listener who is having a hard time and is having a hard time, not just because we're going through this pandemic, but because even from just maybe cultural biases that she might be going through or may have gone through and even now is more perpetuated because of where she's at. What would you say to that one woman to push through and to get to a point where she feels that she can also win and be part of something bigger than, than just herself and her own circumstances? I would say you're not alone. You just have to join the group of people that are ready to have their hands in the wall when the dam breaks. This is a time for all of us to be united. The Hispanic Star .org is a place where you can join a group of people thousands of people that, like you, are ready to be seen, are ready to be heard, are ready to be valued, are ready to be community, are ready to act at the local level, are ready to change and do something for Hispanics. Right now, this is the time to not be alone and not be scared. Only forward, no more fears, only looking ahead. 
the time of Hispanics has arrived. And if there was one time for those people that have felt lonely and, you know, trying to hide their Latinidad and trying to be as far away from everyone else, this is the time to get together and act. So go to hispanics.org, become an ambassador. We can do this together. The time for Hispanics has arrived and COVID-19 will make us stronger when we come out of this. Drop the mic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, go, Claudia, go. <laughs> wishing you the best and wishing you the, the best to your mom. Huh? We're thinking about you and about her. Thank you so much. What were your takeaways from Claudia Marari? You know, the biggest takeaway for me was the mindset of being strong. She tells us the story about growing up and all the, uh, and the misfortune of losing her siblings. Although she grew up under a microscope, people were always saying, oh, she's so strong because she beat death. It's so important when somebody tells you you're strong versus somebody tells you you're weak, right? And you start believing in yourself. You know mm -hmm. what? I'm strong. I can take that. And your thoughts become your words that then become your actions. And then it determines who your character is. Since she could remember, she's always been strong. So there's nothing that she could take on and she would fail. A lot of the times you hear that, oh, women can't do this or you can't do that, right? And these are all these perceptions that we get in our head. And in her case, it was, she's strong. She can do this. She can do that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just how powerful your mind can be. Living through challenging times that strength is what defines who you are. It's certainly incredibly insightful and impactful. You know, it's funny because she went through a lot, right? But not everybody can triumph over that because I'm sure those were difficult times, but it sounded like somebody was there. People were there saying, you're strong. You can do this, right? Just the power of the mind, right? Yeah. If we let it go on long enough thinking you're defeated the harder it is maybe to get out of it. I'm hung up on that thought because you're right. I think some of us might have this inner strength that comes with birth, maybe, right? Yes. And then you're able to project no matter what people are telling you, no matter, you know, that maybe others might want to see you fail. You have that grit, right? To yes. prove everybody wrong and that you can do it. And that comes from inner light. It's ever so important to find somebody else who can infuse that light in you so you can gain that confidence and that grit. So maybe it's a matter of really analyzing and thinking, what camp am I on? Am I on the camp of like, I can do it? Or am I on the camp of, I need somebody to help me do it and look at it that way. And it's okay one way or the other. Love that. She's just amazing in terms of her capacity of irradiating that light for everybody else and especially her passion to unite the Hispanic community in America and around the world. And as I was listening to her, I was thinking, wow, if we were only able to do that as women as well, right? Unite as women and harness the power of being a woman living through this time, this age, and finding opportunities for us to bundle together and push forward and lift each other up. I sincerely hope that this 
community of ours, it's it's a little bit of the beginning of that for for continuing great things in the world. You know, I think that's important. She talked about contacting five women, right? Oh, right. <laughs> and I started thinking, who are the five women I've been contacting on a daily basis or even a weekly basis? And to be completely honest, I'm lacking in that area, Rosa. I actually don't talk to five hmm. women on a daily basis. Hmm. I feel that I spend my time doing so many things that I have forgotten to take the time and individually lift up other women. And it's going to take each and every single one of us to call that one or two women in our lives. Maybe they're in the camp of, I can do this and they can help lift us up that day. Or maybe they're in the camp of, I can and I need help and, and we can provide that, but I would never know unless I call them. So that really resonated with me. Right. I'm like, who am I calling and who am I talking to? Uh, so I got to start doing that, Rosa. So please hold me accountable. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was key because I think we always talk about we want to help each other. We're there to help each other. But are our actions really demonstrating the things that we're saying? And right. for me, my intentions have always been to call, but I, I haven't, yeah. Rosa, I haven't. And I need to, that's a wake up call. I need to help my community and call other women, other multicultural women. Right now, women are the ones who are holding the country together <laughs> going through this. Yes. Not just as mothers and daughters and friends and partners, but also I recently read how the bulk of the essential workers in America right now is actually women. And, and I hadn't thought about that, right? I hadn't thought about the fact that a vast majority of those working in healthcare or in nursing homes or, you know, cleaning services or et cetera, it's women. There are a lot of women cashiers in, in the front lines of grocery stores who are women. So I couldn't uh, resonate more with what you were saying, making that little part of phoning or calling maybe not five every day if you can't five every day but, <laughs> but you know a couple and a couple it doesn't have to or even just send a text and just say thinking about you hope hope things are okay you said something that made me think of women in community one thing we always hear is women want to have that community with other women and, and they choose it any way they want to right they could be with a team that they work out with, or it could be somebody that they go running with or just book club or whatever it may be. And in the situation that we're in right now, we are forgetting that a lot of these women don't have that community that they are used to. I mean, the community may even be at work. Yeah. So it makes it that much more important for women that are out there, whether they're in families or alone, that are missing that sense of community because so many yeah. of us are just so busy doing all these things. Because I think of the women in the front line. I also think of the women that are home now, right? Taking care of the kids or working from home. I have a, a friend who is a military mom, right? And she's in the front lines helping with, with this whole COVID stuff. She also still has to go home to her kids. And it's tough. It, mm -hmm. it is tough out there. And, and they no longer have that sense of community because... They can't go and be social closely with somebody, right? So there's other ways to do it. Right. And that reminds me about 
Claudia's take on resilience as well. Yes. And and she talked about how the Hispanic community particularly so resilient due to the fact of their own life journey, especially in this country, and some what they've had to endure to to be here and be counted, right? And I think what you're referring to is also that resilient DNA that comes with being a woman anywhere in the world. Sometimes we take it for granted that women are strong. I think sometimes we gravitate towards even strong women that we may think that they don't need anything because they're quote unquote strong and they can take on anything. And I would encourage us to think like, you know, maybe that friend that I know can do it all and has everything all put together and is so successful. And I think that woman is going to need your help today too. So think about it that way as well. No matter how strong you think you are, you are also in need of a friend or in need of somebody else who can lift your spirits up, either right now going through this or at any other time. And it is okay to ask for help. One of the other things that was impactful to me was when she mentioned that now is not the time to continue to do things the same way. And what really touched me was when she said, you have to take care of yourself first. And actually, Rosa, this is something you always say, right? You have to put on the mask first in order to be able (laughs) to take care of others. And she talked about control what you can control, especially during a time now where there's so much out there that is just beyond our control. So what can we control? And to me, it was so impactful when she talked about the times where she felt that, you know, she had not been there for her kids because she was concentrating so much on her work. And one of her children told her, I want to become a refugee so that you can spend more time with me. And she talked about this being such an important time in her life for her to spend time with her two children and really formed that stronger bond. Not that it wasn't there before, but just to be able to look back and talk about how we came out of this stronger together. Mm. That's even my experience, right? With my parents that live with me, with my children and my husband is how am I taking advantage of this time to build memories how we as a family were resilient together mm-hmm. to get through this. Because I start thinking, you know, once things go back to whatever the new normal will be, I'm hoping not to be the same person, but things will continue to be hectic and continue to be busy. And I think right now, some of us are being given the time, right, to do something different. Without sounding too optimistic, but it's a bit of a gift. The gift of considering your life now in a very different light from what you used to before. And I think that's what we hear all around when we engage with others, like Claudia talking about what this is meaning for them and and how they're living through it. If this becomes like that wake up call of enjoying and being decisive, I guess, in choosing how you want to live moving forward and where and how you want to spend the time and with whom now and moving forward. Oh my God, it's such a gift, right? Let's look for that pieces of joy to your point, Rosa, but also let's not wait until we have those difficult times to build. Most of the women, they've had something difficult happen. And if you 
have been protected from something difficult happening in your life, don't wait. I think many times, unfortunately, we have to go through difficult situations in our life for us to realize that we can make an impact on those things that we can control. I need to look at things differently each day and figure out where I could create those joyful memories and not wait until a COVID to to (laughs) begin to realize how critical and important and powerful it is to have those friendships, those families in our lives. Phone somebody. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Call someone. Lift that woman up and create moments of joy in your life and in others. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. was Claudia Romo Edelman, founder of We Are All Human and HispanicStar.org, interviewed by Rosa Santos and Maradi Simeon. For more inspiring stories, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a guest you'd love to hear on the show, send us a DM on Instagram at ColorForwardPod. I'm Elisa Monjadas, producer of Color Forward. Thanks for joining us and please leave us a review.